There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson and joining me this week is no one. Couldn't get anyone. It's okay, I watched Bo Burnham's Inside Special right before scripting this out. So I've got a bit of inspiration for this solo venture. It's also probably doubly okay that this is fully scripted out because when I ad-lib, I tend to sound like an idiot, um, as Jacob Padilla is now nodding along. First thing I want to say this week is happy holidays. Whatever you're celebrating, wherever you're at, whoever you're with, hope you enjoy your time together or apart or whatever. Have a glass of eggnog, go look at Christmas lights, go see the new Spider-Man movie, which, and I'm not kidding when I say this, has passed the dark night as my favorite movie of all time. I will have probably seen it a fourth time by the time you listen to this podcast. While you were driving to Grandma's house, or trying to avoid Uncle Eddie, or you just want to have an AirPod in so no one will talk to you, um, give the whole Hale Varsity Network a try. HaleVarsity.com backslash network to find the full catalog. Greg Smith has the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Brandon Vogel has the I-80 Preview podcast. Jacob Padilla has two because he's a tryhard. He has the Nebraska Preps postgame show with Damon Benning, as well as the Nebraska Shootaround with Jacob Bigelow. That podcast is really good. Go drop a subscription on those wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have not already, leave this show a star rating and a review. Those things are super helpful when the end of the year rolls around. We evaluate kind of what you want, what you don't want, things like that. Um, a couple of news items. First, Tony Tuioti is leaving Nebraska to be the new D-line coach on Dan Lanning's staff at Oregon. Um, I think this is a pretty impactful loss in terms of Nebraska's day-to-day operation at the moment. We'll see if a, if a defensive line coach on his own can impact the bottom line. I'm thinking no. Bottom line. I'm thinking no. But Nebraska got better as a run-stopping unit in each of his three seasons, and the developmental do- chops kind of speak for themselves. Um, I think Damian Daniels will be on an NFL roster by the start of next season. He had all three, he being Tuioti, all three of his 2019 starters on NFL rosters during the 2020 season. Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers both got better under Tuioti. I'll be curious to see how Frost reacts to this departure. Um, There had been rumblings that a defensive assistant might exit and that would free up a spot for Scott Frost to sort of to sort of do what he wants on offense with the running back position and Ron Brown there and still be able to get a full-time special teams coordinator. Um, I think it's worth pointing out here that Mike Dawson coached the defensive line during his first go-around with Nebraska. Perhaps, you know, you're looking at a situation where you give him the, the D-line tag, uh, but he still works with edge rushers as well, maybe. Um, one of the things that 
he, he kind of made mention of when he came back to Nebraska was that there's quite a bit of carryover in the way that outside linebackers and defensive ends play in, in Chin's system. Um, you know, Garrett Nelson was an outside linebacker type who by the end of the year was basically a defensive end. Um, so that could be something I, I could see Nebraska doing. Rude handles the field linebackers, Barrett Rude, uh, your special teams guy comes in, whoever it is, and, and you can hire the guy for the running back spot that it seems like Frost wants to. And everyone in Memorial Stadium is happy. Um, of course, he could go a completely different way. Mark Whipple was sort of an under the radar until it was really right there in your face a day or two before the hire was official. Um, folks were kind of focused on other options, it seemed like, up until you know, 24, 36 hours before it was Whipple. Um Another point, and, and, and I just want to make this brief on volleyball. I don't want to belabor this because it's not you know, my area of semi-expertise. Um, you're going to get a lot of self-deprecating humor when it's just me, apparently. John Cook's system feels like it's pretty stable. Tyler Hildebrand leaves to take over a different program. Cook promotes from within to fill Tyler's role, and then he promotes from within again to fill that role that he just opened up. And... We all kind of just expect them to keep on keeping on because John Cook is a pro's pro at this. He is to volleyball coaching what blank is to football coaching. I'll be curious to see responses from people that listen to this podcast. Fill in the blank. Tweet them at me at Dr. PDHV. I'm not sure I'm not I'm not sure if it's Saban because Saban is like in in my eyes, Saban is literally the greatest football coach pro or college of all time but cook maybe cook is thanos at this point he's inevitable um seems like if nebraska's in your bracket come tournament time that there's gonna be a lot of gnashing teeth and restless nights for the other guys cook does seem to be pretty saban like though and that his coaching tree seems to be literally all over the sport someone should draw up a diagram of how far the nebraska volleyball sort of john cook coaching tree spreads throughout college volleyball um okay main topic for the pod this winter's coaching carousel fall this cycle whatever you want to call it was insane truly insane there's been a lot of speculation about what's going to change moving forward to try to tamp down some of the like hyperactivity we saw during this during this carousel I think changing the early signing period at least changing sort of the way we do signing day is is probably inevitable at this point it seemed like this was like the clearest byproduct unintended consequence of adding an early signing period um and and the, I think the transfer portal is sort of exacerbated all of this but i i personally am not into like the i'm not gonna call it fear-mongering but there because because i understand i understand the worry about it i think i'm taking more of a um oh let's wait and see approach with the transfer portal because i kind of feel like in a couple years time it's just not going to look like this in terms of how many guys are going into it in terms of the percentage of players that think 
that they're going to have a comparable situation or a better situation coming out of the transfer portal than what they had going into it. There's just not enough spots. And I think in a year or two, once we've had this sort of explosion, it'll kind of work itself. It'll it'll massage itself back into um, back into place. And so I don't know if you know. There's, I, I like I like I understand, and it feels like overreacting, but I understand it, which would mean that it's not overreacting. Um, but yeah, I just I'm not too worked up about the portal right now, but. All that being said, it has had a serious impact on coaching. And I do think that this sort of jumping ship that we've seen from coaches this cycle before seasons are done and from teams that have like national title and college football playoff aspirations has been very strange. And I feel like that's something that probably needs to change. And to his credit, Lincoln Riley, who was one of the coaches that made this kind of like insane jump that no one would have would have guessed was coming a few years ago had said as much he said we should probably think about changing some of the way the calendar looks at the end of the year to avoid this i'll use the phrase again cuz i think it's appropriate hyperactivity in in the coaching carousel um some teams got exactly what they wanted some teams sort of just fell into incredible coaches. Some teams got left at the altar by guys who got insane contract extensions from their home school. Um, Some teams got straight up stood up, which was kind of entertaining to watch. And with it being Christmas time, I have decided that it's because... I, I have decided, and because it's my show, and no one is on this week to tell me that this is a dumb idea, except for Jacob, who's probably yelling... I'm going to go through some of the most notable hires around the country, and I'm going to relate them to Christmas gifts that you wake up on Christmas morning and unwrap. There will be no Frost action figure jokes here. The first one is Dan Lanning at Oregon, former Georgia defensive coordinator. What he is, he's a box of AirPods Pro that you unwrap on Christmas morning after your brother steals your Sony WH-1000XM4s a week earlier. Straight up stole them. And then you you unwrap a box of AirPods Pro. The obvious out of the way first, this is Dan Lanning's first head coaching gig. And he's going to be taking that challenge um, from the literal opposite side and end of the country from where he's he's grown used to. And he's going to be doing it at a national power that expects a pretty high bar to be cleared year in and year out. This is completely new territory for Lanning. Georgia could recruit nationally when he was there, but the dogs didn't necessarily have to. They didn't have to go far from home to get elite talent. So there was no need to journey up to the Pacific Northwest. I looked at the roster. There's nobody from Oregon on Georgia's roster. This is going to be an entirely new footprint. Um, Lanning feels like Oregon can recruit in any home in any state in the country. And all of that being said, he is a relentless recruiter. The dogs were also really, really good on defense this season. And, and I mean, they were one of the SEC's premier defensive teams with Dan Lanning sort of at the controls. And I don't think the SEC title game undoes that. 
And it probably won't be fair to judge Lanning by how Georgia performs in the college football playoff either, considering, you know, he's not there anymore. Um, that is convenient for him if Michigan runs over Georgia and they lose to the two best teams they play. But that's kind of the truth of it, I think. I don't I don't know that you can sort of hold him accountable when <laughs> he's not there. Um, and if Alabama goes to win on a national championship, then, you know, they lost to a team that won a national championship. So, you know. There's no shame in that. Lanning is a daily driver. That's what he feels like. He's going to be working to make you better every day. He's going to be working to make his program better every day. I've listened to some of his pressers so far, and there's a, there's a, an energy that seems encouraging. Um, Oregon had things pretty good with Mario Cristobal. Ducks fans are, are probably pretty salty over the way that it ended. But Oregon was recruiting well and consistently at the doorstep of the college football playoff. The kind of the big, big picture complaint I've had with the Ducks, and I guess Crystal Ball by extension, um, is is that there's there seems to have been an inability to find a quarterback that can push them over the top since my man Justin Herbert left town. That dude... Uh, but Cristobal was no doubt one of the Pac-12's premier coaches. He was highly regarded. He was well-respected. He was a strong recruiter. He consistently put strong teams on the field. That's consistency from the head coaching spot. I mean, those are all those are all the things that you want. And then he's just gone. Like I can't, I can't blame Mario Cristobal for wanting Miami. I think everybody could see how excited he was to have this job, though I can certainly slam Miami for how it went about getting Cristobal. But Oregon ending up with Dan Lanning in all of this seems like it, it could be a pretty nice redirect for the program. Lanning is, is, I mean, he's putting together a strong staff. I like Tuioti. I like some of the hires that he's made so far. From a recruiting standpoint, it seems like, you know, they're kind of positioning themselves to go head-to-head with USC quite a bit. Um, it seems like he wants to be in Eugene. It seems like he's excited about the Ducks brand and what he can do with it. And it seems like he's excited for this this new challenge uh, that will be recruiting the Pac-12 and fighting with a, a revived USC um, and everything that that kind of entails. I personally really like Lanning, though I know that it can go a, a wonky way considering the stakes and the context. So you're going from one of the most reliable over-the-ear headphones to an in-ear earbud may drop out. It might get lost. It's probably going to get a little gross. You're going to have to give it some TLC. And you generally just might not enjoy the listening experience quite the same or even all that much anymore. Um, But my God, AirPods are awesome. (laughs) They're awesome. Um, And they're exciting because we're – we are all Apple cultists at the end of the day, and that simplistic packaging gets dopamine pumping when we see it. The upside here is high. My AirPods, which I was skeptical about at first, are you know, a few years down the road, easily a top five purchase that I've ever made in my entire life in terms of cost with respect to use and function. I get utility from them literally every day, and though there were some adjustments at first, they ultimately exceeded expectations. I can see the same thing happening with Lanning. If his recruiting acumen transfers over and Lanning can widen the talent gap between Oregon and the rest of the Pac-12 North, it'll probably be Ducks-Trojans for the Pac-12 title twice every three years. And that would be fun. 
I mean, I'm all aboard for that. Offense, offensive coach versus a defensive coach, that could make for some fun storytelling. I'm all in, all in on that. So I'll go to USC next because it's just a natural transition. USC hired Lincoln Riley, former Oklahoma head coach. What is he? The thing that you're getting Christmas morning. Lincoln Riley, from the perspective of USC, this is waking up to a new car when you've been riding a skateboard to work. That's what this is. The reporting from Trojan Country is that this, in fact, came together relatively quickly. That USC wasn't quite sure if this thing was a pipe dream or actually realistic until Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State the night of Bedlam. And had OU beaten the Cowboys that night, Lincoln Riley is probably still coaching the Sooners and getting ready to face Oregon with a different team. That all seems pretty reasonable to me. Um, doesn't seem too far out there. From USC's perspective, this is a uh, this is an end of the night walk off grand slam. Like, there's no way in my mind that this hire for USC goes haywire. I think there's a chance that Lincoln Riley doesn't quote unquote work at USC because. And, and, you know, that word work is, is doing a lot here. The expectations will be outsized. They'll be Hollywood-sized. Many people over there in L.A. will probably expect national championships and Heisman finalists in short order. And I'm talking like one or two years. And that is a tough ask for anyone not named Nick Saban. But I think Lincoln Riley will have them winning more recruiting battles for higher rated prospects and winning more games and blowing out more teams they're supposed to blow out. And I think generally he's going to be good for USC. Now, because of where they're at and what you know what their stated goals were by pulling off this hire, quote unquote, working as a head coach would mean he won a national championship. And that's hard to do. So I don't know if Lincoln Riley will work at USC because... I mean, you know, he's been to playoffs already and he hasn't won a national championship with Oklahoma. And it's, you know, it's the Pac-12. So, like, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Um, But the Clay Helton era was just a great big meh. I mean, Helton had a handful of of good recruiting cycles because it's U.S. friggin' C. And you can stumble out of your backyard drunk and land on someone who has at least 15 Power 5 offers. But a lot of USC in recent years has felt like the 40-year-old bro at the gym bragging about benching 400 pounds in high school and yelling about how you can't slam plates. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of, we deserve this because we deserve this. There's a lot of, we're going to do this our way because it's us and we want to do it our way. There's not a ton of actual process-driven results. Riley at a bare minimum, will most likely change that. He's been a massive winner at Oklahoma. He took the sports car that Bob Stoops left him and turned it into a Formula One race car. And to do that, and I don't think this gets said enough, to do that in Norman, Oklahoma is pretty impressive. He recruited California kids out to Oklahoma and made it work. It's it's pretty impressive what he did. Now, he inherited something that was in really good shape, but he improved on it. And I think that's the reason for optimism with USC. I think he'll recruit the hell out of the state because he already has. I think he'll recruit the hell out of the West Coast. I think California quarterbacks have been tearing up college football. And now the head coach at the biggest school in California has the reputation of a quarterback whisperer. So 
you know, it was it was. I get ready because it's gonna be trendy to hate USC again, no matter what part of the country you're in or, or where your collegiate alliances lie. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to hate on USC again in like two years, like like the time when Pete Carroll had things rolling and everybody was like, "Gotta hate USC." That's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back soon. I've never been gifted a car for Christmas, but I have to imagine that if it were to happen at some point in my life, I'd probably walk out to my driveway, crusty eyes, crazy hair, coffee breath and all, looking nothing like the commercials they show you with the Buicks, and I would probably uh, lose my marbles the way I'm sure USC fans did the morning the Lincoln Riley news came out. Uh, from Riley's perspective, by the way, I have literally no issues with him looking at the SEC and saying, mm, I'm good. He's not running from a challenge when that quote-unquote challenge would take what it, what what basically at Oklahoma in the Big 12 is like a 5% chance that you're going to get fired after a season and is in the SEC with Oklahoma going to become like probably like a 40% chance you could get fired at the end of a season. I, you know, I, I just... OU fans are going to be happy when they have four losses and look like the fifth best team in the SEC. Three years out of every four. I mean, that's what's coming. Like, I've been very publicly anti-OU to the SEC since it was announced. You can pull the receipts. I talked about it on this podcast. I didn't like it. And if OU is staying in the Big 12 and not jumping to the SEC, I promise you, promise you, Lincoln Riley is not leaving for a rebuild job in a conference the College Football Playoff Committee forgets exists every November. Promise you. But they are. So Lincoln Riley's at USC. And for USC, congrats on your new car, I guess. <laughs> congrats. Um, next one, LSU. <laughs> LSU, man. Brian Kelly is the hire, former Notre Dame head coach. What Brian Kelly is, he is socks. Socks. Everyone needs socks. Everyone wears socks, unless you're the Italian dude at the club wearing the tightest suit that was ever been made. And socks are thoroughly unsurprising. They just, they just, they just are. It's gonna get you what you need. Purely about function. When you dress it up, you get made fun of. Case in point, Scott Frost pointed out a TV guy's socks in one of his very first press conferences in a way that I personally interpreted as, "Bro, what are you wearing? What?" Brian Kelly gets onto the court at a Tiger basketball game. <laughs> And he tries out a new southern Louisiana accent. Bro, what are you doing? For LSU, you make the big name hire. Kelly's a big name hire, no doubt. He's the third all I mean, he's the third winningest active head coach in college football right now. I mean he's a big hire. He's a big name. You make it. Because you just fired a guy who won a national championship two years prior, and you're doing what you need to. Kelly is good. Like, like I want to be clear. Kelly is going to get you where you need to go. But it all just feels thoroughly uninspiring to me, mostly because there was so much chatter about a grand, a, a, 
a godfather offer coming in for Jimbo Fisher. And then Jimbo was like, why would I do that? Why would I go to LSU? I can do all the same things at LSU that I'm doing here at Texas A&M. Why would I do that? And then there was talk about Dave Aranda, who I like, and Mel Tucker, who I love. Neither materialized. Kelly is just sucks. Like, it'll probably work because it's a pretty seamless fit. Don't screw up recruiting. Get the guys around you. And you'll probably have a shot to play for a national title at some point in the next four years. Because each of the last three coaches that LSU has had have won a national title. LSU has everything else it needs. LSU, here's the best way I can put this. LSU is me that the time that I was in downtown Chicago in the winter, very windy, very cold, I had a nice chunky sweater, I had an overcoat, I had a scarf, and then I had a pair of trousers cut at the ankle, and I had no socks because I forgot them. Ankle was exposed, wind was ripping in, miserable in the cold because of the one entirely forgettable piece of the ensemble. Give me a pair of socks and I'm chilling. I'm good. Give LSU a coach who knows what he's doing and it'll win. You know, it's where they're at. But it's, you know, it's Brian Kelly. Like, people don't like Brian Kelly. He left Notre Dame when they had... They were they were literally right there on the doorstep of the college football playoff, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go someplace else," and then told the team about it in like a minute and a half meeting. People don't like Brian Kelly. Thoroughly uninspiring hire, but he's a big name. He's gonna get you what you need. He's probably gonna win. Probably gonna win a handful of games. He's probably gonna win an SEC title because it's LSU, and because he's won literally everywhere else he's been. He's gonna get you what you need. He sucks. Florida, Billy Napier, former Louisiana head coach. So for Christmas this year, one of the things I got my wife was one of those Bluetooth-enabled ear cleaner things. She's, she's, she's big on not putting cotton swabs in your ear, and she pointed out earlier in the year how much she wanted one of these like cleaner things. I'm talking about the thing that has a little camera at the end, and it shoots a feed to your phone so you can clean without damaging. When she tells you what she wants, you got to listen. And then you go out and you get it. She got what she wanted. Maybe this is all TMI. I don't know. But that's what the Napier hire feels like. Florida got what Florida wanted. After Florida fired Dan Mullen, Florida basically like put out a roadmap to where all the fires were burning. I mean, <laughs> like they just aired dirty laundry. The dynamic was off. Recruiting was terrible. Didn't like it. We needed to go. Billy Napier was 39-12 and 12 in four seasons with the Raging Cajuns. He put up three straight double-digit win seasons to close out his tenure. Recruiting prowess throughout the Southeast. Perfect fit for what Florida needs. Perfect fit for what Florida wants. For what Florida has been very clear and adamant about wanting. They want a guy who is going to be, you know, a Dan Lanning type, a Lincoln Riley type, a Mel Tucker type, a relentless recruiter. That's what you need at one of those programs. So we'll see kind of what happens with with Billy Napier down there. Whereas with Kelly, I feel like it'll work for what LSU needs 
but he'll end up getting fired because when the winning takes a dip for a year or two, all of the things that don't make sense about the fit will creep up, exactly like what just happened with Dan Mulling. But with Billy Napier, it feels like this has the potential to be one of those 10-year, yeah, this was a really good hire kind of deals. The thing they wanted that worked out exactly how they wanted. Or, you know, because it's Florida, you stab yourself in the inner ear and you start bleeding and you have to go to the doctor. It's probably too much information again. One more. Washington. Kalen DeBoer. Former Fre- I probably just butchered his name. Former Fresno State it, it, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a, a varsity club podcast if I didn't kill somebody's name. Former Fresno State head coach. So I got this fleece pullover for my family a few years ago. This is what he is. I'm going to tell a story. It was an item from Off List and I am a, a I'm friggin' weird. I'm a weirdo. I'm picky. I'm a control freak. I get a little hesitant when you go off list. The the fleece itself was a new color that I didn't have a ton of in my wardrobe at the time, and it was a style that I didn't wear a ton of very often. Flash forward two years, and I wear it pretty regularly. Turned out it was an excellent gift. Function, form, longevity, everything you look for. Washington was reportedly interested in some big names. That job is a sneakily good one. And um, Chris Peterson, who still has quite a bit of cachet in the coaching world, Washington's former coach, was, I don't know if he was pulling the strings for that job, but he definitely had a lot of input. And he was reportedly enamored, very enamored, with Baylor's Dave Aranda and Iowa State's Matt Campbell. Now, those are big names. They're not like Brian Kelly big, but on the scale of Washington, it's a big name. That's a that's a that's a splashy hire. Campbell had the Cyclones in the Big 12 title game in 2020. Aranda had the Baylor Bears in it and winning it in 2021. And yet it's DeBoer, former Indiana offensive coordinator, turned Fresno State head coach, turned Husky. He's the one that lands the job. It's not the sexiest hire, but the former Fresno State coach has won literally everywhere he's been. From the NAIA to the Big Ten, he has a way with quarterbacks. Now he's going to have to fix one of football's most lethargic offenses, all while fixing whatever happened to Michael Penix Jr. this past season. But that coach-quarterback marriage worked in 2019 in Indiana, and then we saw what Penix did the year after. He could be a win from the -the off-the-list variety. That's kind of where I'm at. I think Washington is, is super interesting as you move forward. I could go on with a few more, but I suspect that's probably enough of my voice for one setting, so we'll wrap up there. I do want to give one very specific shout-out first to Jake in Arizona. I got your letter. I just want to say thank you. It made my day. Um, You're awesome. I also love the Arizona Cardinals because Larry Fitzgerald is one of my favorite receivers ever. So I'm glad that that was in there. Glad that you enjoyed it. Have a Merry Christmas, dude. Thank you for listening. To the rest of you listening, I will be back next week with another show. In the meantime, keep reading HaleVarsity.com. Be good. Be safe. Enjoy the snow if you're somewhere that gets it. And just know that I am incredibly jealous. As always, shouts to Cam for producing this show. Shouts to you guys for listening every week. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.
Ahura Media Production.